Namaste. Today we'll read this prayer of the mother, February 23rd, 1914. At one place, when mother was asked, uh, what is truth? So, mother said that you cannot define truth, but it reveals itself to those who want to become conscious of it. So, she said very clearly that uh, why we cannot define? By defining, we limit. The moment we say this is truth, we have limited it. Also because truth is constantly unfolding. And then she says something very beautiful. She says the word that comes closest to this unfolding of truth is dharma. This mother's uh, words. It's so beautiful because it is the unfolding of truth that is taking place in this world. But it has assumed the, unfortunately, it has assumed the sense of struggle, wrestle, difficulties, challenges. So there is the legend in the Vedas and it is mentioned in several places about Aditi, the Divine Mother's aspect of radiance, undivided consciousness. Aditi literally means that infinite consciousness. So she has... uh, Eight children, seven are there in the skies and eighth one is in the earth. She leaves him behind. As the story goes, she leaves him behind. And this eighth son of Aditi is Martand. So Martand is the warrior aspect of sun. And on earth, this is how the progress takes place. Very beautifully, she um, reminds us that, you know, Shurbindu uh, in, in, uh, in one of the essays in, on mystic fire, He says that the soul of man is a life full of battle. Nowhere else you will find this kind of thing. (laughs) There is a very touching passage in Savitri. When Ashupati describes to Savitri, he sees that there is a great darkness chased by a stupendous light. So he knows that there is some problem, tremendous problem which will be taken care. And he tells Savitri, I approve of your choice. If this is all, then all is surely well. If there is more, then all will still be well. That is how he speaks to Savitri. Then he turns to Narad and says, Please don't prophesy. Because he knows Narad will also see. Narad will see and give in great detail. So he says, Please don't prophesy. Man has been deliberately denied the vision of the future. Future is covered by a veil. Because... Then he describes here the mortal feet that struggle upward. They get wounded. I mean, you see the compassion of Shurbindo. Because Shurbindo is Ashapati. He says, you don't, you don't know. You are a celestial sage. You will go and say, Ki, this is what is going to happen. And you will go back to Vekuntha. So he says, here are not Kailash's slopes where the um, nymphs, the Apsaras, they are moving and the you know, they are moving freely, gliding, luminous beings. Here are neither Vakunt with their starry steps. So he says, this is a different world. You don't, uh, perhaps uh, may not know that here human beings have to climb rugged hills. And they get wounded in the process. So there is a reason why fate has been veiled. Please don't <laughs> reveal. Because uh, um, we cannot bear the foresight. It, it is a good thing because then we always progress 
keep doing the effort because we believe that this is what is going to happen it may not happen but it helps us to grow but supposing we come to know that this is not going to happen then we stop advancing so there is a reason why future has been veiled for us it's a evolutionary process it is only when we reach a certain height then we begin to see of course because you have reached a point where you will not deter from the course of action decreed because you know the future but there is a point when if we know the future we will not contribute our own part role into it and hence our own growth will be stifled so ultimately the sum and substance of it is that the only thing worth knowing in any given situation is what is the divine law what is the divine want of me and that is the most difficult thing because this, our own being wants something uh, ego self desire self mind even physical being has its own needs soul in most people remains buried and then there are people society family all these things are clamoring for attention but what is the divine will in me so she starts this prayer very beautifully grant o lord we go to lord and pray grant 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 my wish grant my boon not realizing that wish fulfillment can be one of the greatest uh, delayers on the path <laughs> because then we never take the challenge of life which comes when a wish is not fulfilled that's why shubhendra says in savitri heavens wiser love rejects the mortal's prayer so she says grant o lord that we may be more and more conscious of thy law <clears throat> that is be one with it so that we may foster its manifestation in all things so what is the divine law and there is a human law and the two are different one thing is very very clear so divine law acts in a way which we normally sometimes when we look at it from a human point of view we may not only not appreciate it but even regard it as uh, something cruel and the classic example is shubhendu says in savitri and of course now it is a well known story that uh, the pupa of a butterfly caterpillar so just when the time has come for the butterfly to emerge it begins to Uh, bring out of itself a substance so that substance becomes like a cocoon and as the substance wraps it more and more it also the same nature which is bringing out the cocoon on one side now when there is a cocoon it will um, compress you it increases in the caterpillar the tendency to eat caterpillar as such are feeding all the time so novel solution you know divine company should be named as novel solutions <laughs> our solution is if you are eating more increase production divine solution is very different so it is eating 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 then out of that food it brings out of itself a cocoon which begins to stifle it now imagine there is a need to eat <laughs> and you can't eat because there is a stifling so there is somebody passing by and says oh bichara poor caterpillar calls a surgeon surgeon gives a nick cuts it what happens the butterfly never emerges this is how the divine works there is another very interesting story i had read so uh, once there is in kailash there are lot of gods coming because they have to be together celebrate some great victory and yamraj also comes so as he comes he sees there the 
a sparrow and he is looking at the sparrow very quizzically. Asher in its eyes and then he goes inside. Now Garuda is also sitting there. Garuda says, why did he look at the sparrow like that? Probably he is going to take the sparrow whenever he comes out. So Garuda calculates half an hour he will come out and take the sparrow. He is filled with compassion. So he picks up the sparrow and transfers it to the other side of the world. Because uh, Garuda can do it, <laughs> no bird can. And comes and sits there quietly that let me have some fun. So Yamaraj comes out, he is looking here, there, doesn't see the sparrow. So Garuda smiles, says you are looking for that sparrow? Yes. So you think that you are very smart, you will kill the sparrow? I am Garuda. I have transferred it to the other side of the world. So Yamaraj says, strange are the ways of destiny. Actually, I was looking at the sparrow because its death is destined on the other side of the world. And I was wondering how this sparrow will ever reach there. I had asked one of my dutas to be waiting there because this bird has to die there and I was wondering how this will happen. Then I said, this is God's problem. <laughs> it is not given to me to transfer. But you see, you did a work of God. So our way of looking at life is very different from the way the divine looks at it. Divine law uses everything for our progress. Because that's the thing right now, the divine's concern is only one that how we should grow out of this humanity, which is anyways a very painful condition to those who can you know really look at it. Very pitiable condition, very limited. We don't know what is going to happen the next moment. And the divine is pushing so that it, we can cross over this passage and enter into the new superhumanity, the divine humanity of tomorrow. So this, the, everything that is happening is pushing us through this door. So what is important at that point of time is to know the divine law, what the divine intends in us, not what we want, we don't want. That is uh, kindergarten. I want this, I want that. So divine says, okay, I will grant you this, grant you that. But as we graduate, then the divine who is, you know, sambhar karte hai, who takes care of us, becomes also sanghar karne wale. He starts, you know, taking away things which are no more needed for our progress. It's painful, but if you become one with the divine law, then it is joyous. Lord, grant that I may become master of my vagabond thought. So this is one of the biggest challenges of life. Our thoughts are always running from here to there. and So people say how to become master of thought. Here is the simplest of ways. Pray to the mother. <laughs> How can life be so simple? Well, it can be so simple, but we need to have the leap of faith. It is not so simple because we grow up with the idea that man's mind is something amazing and it only has the power to achieve. So we really don't know how to trust. So here she is saying, Lord, grant that I may become master of my vagabond thought. Now, it's not that there are no techniques and you should not apply, but the reliance should be on the mother and the grace. That living in thee, I may see life only through thee. 
right now we see life through this janam jat by by birth we are blind cataracted eyes so very often people say that you know aankh par chashma laga ke manushya dekhte hain you know? when we love somebody we see with a uh, lens or when we hate somebody we see with another lens the thing is we are born with a lens lens of ignorance so everything that we see even with the mind is anyways an ignorance that's why we cannot understand the ways of god so she says let me see this world with your eyes how do you see this world we do the reverse we see with our eyes and we say oh you are so cruel because we don't understand a thing about anything whereas when we see with the divine eyes then we will understand that how out of even cruelty and death he builds love and immortal life that's the glory of god and the illusion of material reality may come to an end and be replaced by perception more in conformity with thy eternal reality what is the illusion of material reality oh somebody was born died we say now oh marge so this is the illusion of material reality because really speaking nothing dies there is nothing like death it just that we change states of consciousness even illness what we call as illness is nothing but a change of the states of consciousness there is a state of disorder the mother says there is a level of seeing where there is no illness there are only states of disorder and states of order and harmony so when there is a state of disorder then we will start observing all these uh, things within the body and doctor makes it worse by labeling it so now you are lifelong carrying a phatta with you a card with you so your disorder has become fixed into a fixed as shubhendra said disorderly order you are not allowed to forget that you are so and so case whereas the mother says when you look at from that point there is a disorder she is not denying that there is no disorder but this disorder can be healed by bringing in a um, a vibration of harmony and order that is how mantras heal one reason why mantras heal is because they carry within them rhythms of harmony that is how savitri heals i have had such marvelous experiences and i know of people not i have had myself only no there are people whom i know uh, with uh, reading savitri because they are all mantric in nature so what does it do now what is a mantra mantra is the rhythm of the highest uh, higher hemisphere so when we really read a mantra it that rhythm begins to reset our rhythm so there are two things acting now the rhythm for disorder and we are bringing in a rhythm of order so it's a question of which will win now which will win is a long foregone conclusion but we have to support this action that's all by faith i know people i know people uh, one classic example was when um, i had just uh, started reading savitri night 10 o'clock we used to read savitri and this was 1985 so our neighbor who were sharing the wall in fact they were the owners and we were on a tenant house so, so sardar ji so he came one day and said what what do you read at night so i was little uh, apologetic because you know i thought 10 o'clock and then savitri you enjoy so you are reading with your <laughs> <laughs> so i thought maybe it is disturbing to him so i said i am sorry but we don't have any other time and we love to read this no 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 what is this book you are reading i said here is the book so he went inside the meditation room looked this that he didn't understand 
as such English that to Shubhendra English kept it there. Came back. I said, but what is the reason? Why? Why are you curious? He says, since the time you read, I don't know. I feel very nice. My wife feels very nice. My son's asthma has gone away. My wife's chronic knee pain has gone away, and we think it is because of what you are reading. I said, then it's okay. <laughs> If that is the case, <laughs> so it's the power of Savitri, which you know has within it the mantric effect. And if we just allow this mantra, this rhythm, now we should not, we should not turn all these things into a, uh, you know, okay, dead will become alive, and no, there is a. We have to understand there are certain. Uh, still pending laws of nature which are in the pending file which have not yet changed but definitely it acts first as a tremendous inner cushion taking away the sting of misery second is that it does help us to if not completely cure the illness cut out the complication shorten the course that we have seen just it shortens the course and takes away the complications and at third level if we have you know it can Actually, completely heal, and what could have been into a disaster. Mother speaks about it that what may have turned into a catastrophe and a disaster is changed into something very mild. So all these things are there. So she says that this illusion of material reality. What is the illusion? Oh, this is real. There is only one thing which is real. The real with a capital R. all else is a distortion or a shadow or a reflection there is no third thing it is either a reflection if the reflection is good fine but if the mirror is distorted then it's a distorted reflection or it is sometimes a shadow which is the most dangerous shadow of the reality like who is an asura asura is the shadow of the lord that's how shirbindu describes so she prays that may it be replaced by perception more in conformity with thy eternal reality that means i should be able to see the reality that this shadow or distortion represents then only we can set it right let me live constantly in thy divine love so that it may live in me and through me so divine living in us and we living in the divine and the third is the divine living we are living by the divine and the divine acting through us so these are the um, different possibilities within a person who is walking the path and she says let me live constantly in thy divine love so that it may live in me and through me why live in me because on earth this doesn't flower divine love <laughs> i mean it is so difficult grant that i may be an efficient and clear sighted collaborator and that everything within me may foster the plenitude of thy manifestation this is such a wonderful way of summarizing karma yoga so there are people who believe divine does everything tomar karma tumi karema loke bole kariyami you are doing your work people say that i do it this one extreme the other is no no we have to do we have to do but here she is beautifully synthesizing the two we have a role to play and that role is to collaborate in the divine work divine is working but by clear sightedness by faith by love by transparency by opening ourselves we can collaborate or we may obstruct by doubts resistances despair ultimately the divine will fulfill himself there is no uh, second way but we can collaborate in the work or we be obstruct the work so she says grant that i may be an efficient not just a collaborator 
but an efficient collaborator and a clear-sighted collaborator. I should see what you want to do and what you want to manifest. So that my will, my actions are, everything are in conformity with that. And that everything within me may foster the plenitude of thy manifestation. So the word plenitude is wonderful because fullness. It's like the same story. Sri Krishna picks up a you know, wheel from the chariot. And he says, I'll turn it into chakra when, you know, Bhishma is standing opposite him. He said, I can do it. But it's quite different from the original Sudarshan chakra. So, there is a plenitude of the manifestation. That's very difficult. One can become an instrument of the divine, but to be in plenitude, fullness of the manifestation, so that it's absolutely flawless. It is just exactly as it should have been. Otherwise, there are obstacles. Ultimately, divine will fulfill himself, but through a lot of struggle. And then what is important for us to know, because we keep seeing everybody's difficulties, imperfections. So a reminder, gentle reminder as they say. <laughs> I know all my imperfections. This is not an easy statement. Because she is saying, I know. She is not saying there are countless imperfections within me. That is a very general statement. And very often it may be said with this idea that there is an egoism. See, I am recognizing my imperfections. So here it is so beautiful. I know all my imperfections, my difficulties, my weaknesses. I feel all my ignorance. So she is showing us the way. So somebody may ask that, you know, what what are the imperfections of the Divine Mother? Now this is where the avatar story comes. Avatar takes upon himself the burden of all the imperfections of humanity and then shows us the way. If the avatar is born perfect, then there is nothing that he has to show. He will come, do some magic, miracle and go away. So we will erect a temple in his name. And But when he goes through the difficulties and challenges that human beings face and conquers them, then we say, okay, yes, you know it. You see, that's the beauty of the Divine Mother's ways because she knew everything that earthly life one can experience. Often I tell this story, uh, of course, Kakeda's story I have said the other day and the other one where this three-year-old um, Chomdi, her uh, mother, her father had died, very young age and her mother, Minidi, they went to meet the mother along with this little child and the mother didn't start the lecture of the Gita you know according to Vedanta none dies, none lives why are you crying? there are kuch nahi tha no nothing she knows by compassion what it means to have a child what it means to lose your loved one because she has a prayer when she is moving away from Lunel, Paris France she describes that she feels the pain of those who are feeling pain for her. So she just simply has a little teardrop in her eyes, little glistening moisture, because she knows the human condition. But then the next what she says is a divine truth. You want to see him? Now this she did not expect. <laughs> he is very peaceful and happy with me. Do you want to see him? Then for some time, Minidi was quiet. Then she says, No mother, if he is happy with you, I don't want to disturb. <laughs> Come my child, 
embraces her. This is the divine mother's way. Because she understands the human misery. She knows what it means to lose somebody you love. And that's why because she became human. Always the avatar. This is the way I look at it. And we can intellectually also understand it. The reason why there is creation is because without it, the divine himself, there would have been something missing. So that's why the creation has been made. And the reason when divine takes a human birth, the avatar, this is how I look at it, this is something, a magic and mystery which is incomparable to anything. Because when we turn to him, he is there always existence. Whether there is an avatar or not, the divine is self-existent. But it is very different from the divine coming on earth, taking upon himself the human life, understanding its issue. If you say divine is supreme and you say I have a problem here on earth, so what does supreme tell you? This is nothing my child, that's it. End of the story. (laughs) Nothingness, supreme nothingness. But when you tell to an avatar, he understands the pain of, that's how we see in Ramji's story itself, touches Ahilya, which is Pashant, changes her. You know, all the avatars have done like that. Mother and Shirobindo, how they understood the pain of human beings. So she says, because she has experienced, gone through all this, I know all my imperfections, my difficulties, my weaknesses. I feel all my ignorance and this is the called divine humility. Because... 1914, she had already realized the inner divine. She had experienced all the Kundalini chakras. She was a master occultist. She was an adept in Buddhist yoga and had realized the yoga of the Gita and the Raj Yoga. All this she had done. But still in nature there are imperfections, especially the outer nature, small little things. So when she is saying weaknesses, imperfection is not like some huge, small little things. Shubindu says... That even your little gesture, your posture, divine wants the perfect perfection. And outer nature is the last to change. Outer nature is a bundle of habits. So she is, in that sense, the divine humility. I feel all my ignorance. But what we should do is what she is telling us. But I put all, but I put my full trust in thee. And bow down before thee in silent devotion. So whenever we are confronted with all the difficulties, impossibilities, challenges, limitations, ignorance, weaknesses, we should not justify them. That is of course dangerous. <laughs> we are human beings, this is my nature. No, that's what, not what she is telling. Nor we should um, believe that just by my own effort I can master it. We should do what we can, definitely. That's sincerity. That opens the door. But ultimately, we should rely fully on the divine grace that however limited my resources may be, the divine can add and make it unlimited. So that uh, reminds me of uh, one of the stories which once I heard about in a talk, Navjaji was saying that if you think you are the worst person on earth, then who else but the divine can cure you? And if you are not the worst, he has uh, corrected many like you, then I am one of those cases. You know, There is a bhajan like that, no? That, uh, Suna hai, taare hai, tumne lakho. 
I have heard that there are lakhs whom you have liberated by your touch. Everybody's story, if you see the story of Tulsi Das, it's scandalizing. Jagai and Madhai. Shobindra uses this word. Saint Augustine. There, and this is before the transformative power has come. Before the fullness of divine love has come. And yet these people, just by the name of the divine, they could cross over. So, surely there is hope for everybody. But what we have to do, she tells us step by step, to aspire to become conscious of the divine law, to aspire to become master of our vagabond thought. And while we may put all kinds of effort, we must rely on the grace to do it. So that we can see things the way the divine sees and not be carried away by the material realities. Which is ultimately an illusion. Not illusion in the sense that it doesn't exist. But it is not what is what we are seeing. There is another truth behind it which is unfolding. But we don't understand it. So what we are seeing is a distortion of appearances. In appearances. And we should aspire for the divine love. So that we may become instruments of divine love. And we should aspire for an efficient and clear-sighted collaboration. We should aspire that may we become so clear-sighted and efficient so that everything in us collaborates with thy manifestation. And finally, yes, there are many imperfections, many defects, many problems. Human nature is like this. It's not, Shubhinda says, even the strongest. At one place he says that um, if... It was by one's own effort, even the strongest would not be able to arrive. What is known as the heroic sadhak in tantra, veer, even they cannot because this transformation is beyond. So he says strength, if, if it is spiritual, is a great power. A greater power is sincerity. But the greatest of all powers is grace. This is a letter of Shirbindo. And then he ends up this letter by saying, How many times have I not reminded you? Of the phrase of the Gita, Aham Twa Sarva Papi Bhyo Mokshishyami Masucha. Abandon all dharmas and take refuge in me alone. I will free you from all sin and evil. Do not fear, do not grieve. So she says, I know all my imperfections, my difficulties, my weaknesses. I feel all my ignorance, but I put my full trust in thee and bow down before thee in silent devotion. That's why they could tell us, it doesn't matter. Whatever be your difficulties, the grace is always greater. Because they ultimately embodied that grace. And there are so many instances of people with difficulties, defects. One classic example was of a gentleman who would send wires to Shurabindo. Sir, I fell again. (laughs) Whatever that means. Need your blessings. And Shurabindo is sending blessings. Ashish. Sir, again and again and again and always the blessings. Every time you turn to the Lord, the Lord will. He doesn't get annoyed and say, oh, enough now. (laughs) Tie up your bundle and stay in a corner. He doesn't. He never condemns in volume 2. Mother says that the Divine Mother never condemns, never judges you. Because she knows only love. In fact, She is love. Namaste.